0: So, back in grade 7, I used to get bullied a lot and I had this one friend who decided one day to invite me to youth group at her church. And I grew up in a non-Christian home, so I had never been to church or anything church-related, but she made it sound fun, so I decided I'd go check it out. So we went that night and I hung out with her and the pastor spoke and... It was just, it was kind of a really cool experience. And so I told her I would come back again with her next week and see if I enjoyed it as much. So next week comes around and the week after and the week after and I continue to go. And then there was one night where the pastor talked about speaking to God. I thought this was crazy because I'm not, I wasn't faith-based back then and I thought, well, you would just be speaking to thin air. But I just kind of kept that to myself, moved on, listened to what my small group leader had to say, and then left for the night. I ended up back at my house, and that had been a particularly rough day for me at school and stuff. And so I sat down on my bed and I thought, you know what? Like, what's the harm? Either I voice these things and I'm talking to nothing or I'm talking to God. So I sat there and I voiced everything that was bothering me, everything that had happened that day and just how I really felt. And when I was done talking about it, I heard a voice. And... It's hard to explain how I know, but I know it wasn't just my own voice in my head. It was God speaking to me, and he answered every single question that I asked that night and told me things that just boosted me completely. And I had never really had an experience like that, and at the time, I was freaked out because there was a random voice in my head and I didn't know where it was coming from. So the next youth I decided to ask my small group leader about it and she said that that was God speaking to me and to me that was just crazy. So because of that I started to come to youth more and more and I started helping out with children's ministry whenever I could and I would get involved with camps in the summer and try and just open myself up more to this world and see what it was like and I'm still growing in my relationship with God but that night was amazing for me it truly started my path to knowing God
1: Good morning. Uh, my name is Sarah Henson. For those of you that I haven't met yet, my husband Kevin and I have been attending Eaglemont Church for 11 plus years now since time flies by. We have three daughters um, who are 14, 11 and almost nine years old now. In March of last year, um, I received one of the biggest shocks of my life when I was told after having my first routine mammogram at age 41 that I had breast cancer and that it had spread to at least one lymph node. I had surgery in April, went through six grueling chemotherapy treatments from June to October, plus 24 radiation treatments from November to December of last year. And uh, par- Pastor Marlowe asked me to share a little bit of where I've seen spiritual growth during this journey for me and my family over this past year. And one area that I have grown in is having more confidence that I can go through really difficult things because God is always with me. He loves me and he sustains me. He is our provider and He will provide everything we need to go through trials. In fact, the Bible tells us in James 1, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And that's really hard to do sometimes when you're in the midst of it. God also prepares us for going through challenging times. A couple weeks before I was diagnosed, I was sitting in church and Brennan was leading worship. He was praying and asking God to show us his power and for heal- a healing in our church family. And in my humanness, the thought that popped into my head was, I hope it's not me. <laughs> and two weeks later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I was so scared. My life flashed before my eyes and I was so afraid of leaving Kevin and the girls without a wife and a mom way too early. Um, God quickly stepped in to rescue me in so many ways. The day I found out, I still went in shock and in tears to my lady's small group that I had been a part of for several years. These friends gathered around me. They laid their hands on me and prayed for me. They even anointed me with oil, with what we had on hand which happened to be a Costco-sized bottle of olive oil. I was a little nervous about that, but I also learned early on in this journey that it's good to see the humor in things and laugh through the tears. And a mere few hours after being told I had cancer, I was able to laugh with my friends and my sisters in Christ. We noted that at least my skin would be nice if I got a little extra. Over the course of those challenging months of treatment, God provided more than I could ever ask or imagine. He provided an amazing husband, wonderful daughters, my prayer warrior mom, (laughs) my sisters, Kevin's family, friends, church family, pastors, my work family, who all had a part in coming alongside us, lifting us up and encouraging us in ways that we didn't even know we needed. I don't even have the words to express what an abundance of love my family and I felt going through that time. I have said this in the past, and I've had to live it in the past year. God is so trustworthy. In the Bible, it tells us we are going to face challenges. He doesn't necessarily remove those challenges, even though he is able to. But when we were going through trials and difficult times, we we just want to escape it but this is when we need to dig in. My dad passed away from cancer in January 2014. In the fall before he died, he asked me to make him some bookmarks that said, for this, we have Jesus on them. Meaning that when we go through hard times, we have Jesus and he is everything. He is trustworthy to provide everything we need to get through difficult times. He never left my side, and even in the midst of the hardest things, I knew he was with me, watching over me, and taking care of my family and me. On April 29th of this year, I went to the Cross Cancer for a mammogram, and I was so relieved and grateful. hear the words that the images were clear and there was no cancer to be seen one of the biggest lessons i learned is that we're never done learning to trust god more and more every day through everything and i will conclude with some words from psalm 91 it says those who live in the shelter of the most high will find rest in the shadow of the almighty this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him.
2: So Joel asked me, he says, he asked me on the phone, he says, "What, what's Jesus doing in your life? How is the Lord helping you day to day? And uh, that was very thought provoking for me. I have to admit it was, uh, I guess I have to start for me, the testimonial start back uh, a few years ago when uh, I fell out of faith. Probably, uh, I'll be honest, and um, I really didn't look to to the Father for anything. And uh, I, I kind of had the attitude of, "I'll just, I'll just, I'll make it on my own. I will, uh, I'll make my own decisions. I'll get this done." And uh, well, over about a three-year span, that that attitude definitely changed. Um, I came back to to faith, and actually to the Eaglemont family. Uh, and uh, how is the Lord working in my world day to day? Um, it's, it's a it's a question that can't be answered with one word, that's for sure. Um, I definitely uh, feel the Father in me. Um, I believe wholeheartedly that we live in His kingdom. This is His. And uh, instead of, I guess, the attitude of, of asking, um, Jesus to help me or suggesting the way that he might help me. Um, You know, I would like this job position or I would like to not be worried about money, things like that. Um, I would say over the last about six months um, and then with the, the virus outbreak as well, I've come to realize that my attitude has changed to asking, kind of trying to guide, to just believing and having faith in my heart that he will provide and that. It's his. This is his kingdom, and he knows what's best for us right now. He knows what's best for us to come. Uh, He knows everything. He knows what the end looks like. And so I think just a change of attitude, a change of mental state in the way that instead of asking for it, I think is best, a lot of days I say, Jesus, take me where you need me to be, or show me what I need to see that has really changed the way that I operate and it's uh, even as a parent I have two beautiful children and even as a parent um, it's a lot easier in life to to have the attitude of I know there's a plan I believe in my heart and that's what fills my heart is that there's a plan and so to answer the question um, you know the father is working in my world every day all day and I'm so thankful to have come around to that point And realize that now Um, and I just I just embrace it and uh, it fills my heart every morning when I wake up and spend time in the gospel in the word um, it's it's a special moment to look out the window and see a tree or see a squirrel or watch a flag flap um, and realize that uh, the father did that for me he did that for all of us and uh, those are things that we need to appreciate in our day
3: Good morning, everyone. My name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here at Eaglemont Church. So glad that you're with us. And I trust that you were encouraged about hearing of some of the journeys of some of our Eaglemont members here this morning. Uh, If you have a Bible with you, I want you to open up to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10. So that's towards the beginning of the New Testament. We're going to be reading about a story that Jesus talks about where it talks about a journey. Starting in in Luke 10, 25, it says this. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Now this isn't the first time and the only time that Jesus was asked this question. And we see right off the bat, a a clear indicator here as this religious leader stood up for the purpose of testing Jesus. The questions are oftentimes out there as great tools of curiosity to learn But I don't know if you've ever had this where you've had a conversation with someone and maybe they ask questions, but the goal really isn't to learn. The question is actually meant to try and direct. And this religious leader was actually trying to trap and direct Jesus. But Jesus was smart. And when he replied, oftentimes this is what he would do is instead of just replying, he'd reply with his own question. And he said, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now this is the same answer that Jesus gave if you want to reference in Matthew 22, uh, verse 40. Jesus responds and says, you are right. Do this and you will live. So they agree on the premise of the answer of this, but then The man, it says in verse 29, wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now you're thinking, what's wrong with that question? Trying to clarify. But again, the heart of this man was not to actually discover truth and to try and grow himself. But really, he was just trying to direct Jesus. And he was trying to justify, as it says here, justify his own actions. He's just spelled out himself. And Jesus has confirmed that... A key in growing and, and, and having eternal life and becoming close with God is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And he could have responded by saying, Jesus, help me to learn how to do that better and to have honesty and transparency where he fell short in that. But yet he tried to narrow in into this little philosophical argument of who is my neighbor. It's funny how we often find it easier to keep things in arm's length conversations, to keep things theoretical. Because when we just talk theoretically, we can go for hours and hours, but it doesn't actually cost us anything. There's something about the Christian life when we actually really grow in relationship with Jesus, that it changes us. It takes us beyond simple theory. And this, this religious leader, this scholar, all he wanted to do was keep things as a, a theoretical conversation because that's where it was easy. And so Jesus then responds with this story and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you've been in church for a long time, you've probably heard this story before. And if not, let's read it together here. It's starting in verse 30. Jesus replied with this story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Now, just for context, this road between Jerusalem and Jericho was known as a really dangerous stretch of road. You wouldn't travel it unless you had to. Essentially, those who had to do pilgrimage would maybe do that. But outside of that, people didn't go along this stretch of road very often. So this man went there and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and left him half dead beside the road. Now, by chance, a priest came along. So if you want to use the type of vernacular we'd use in our church, a pastor came along. Maybe it was Pastor Marlowe or Pastor Brennan came along the road. I will use them instead of myself because this isn't going to be good. But he came along and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Now the priest, if he was coming back and forth between Jericho and Jerusalem, it's probably because he was either heading towards the temple or heading back from the temple doing uh, you know essential services of serving god in the temple maybe he was uh, preaching a-, a sermon at that point he had really important things to do much too important to stop and to help this man and so the man continues on the side of the road and next we see that there was a levite or a temple assistant the levites were the tribe of israel that were chosen to serve in the temple so Again, trying to use some of the the terms that we use in our church. It's a pastor's council member. Someone who's really involved in serving in the church. And he comes by next and he crosses again to the other side of the road. Purposely moves to the other side of the road and passes him by. Think about this. Again, the reason why he'd be traveling on this road was probably because he was serving in the temple. He was doing God's work. It's amazing how we can become so focused about doing God's work that we miss the actual work God cares about. Again, when you take the context of who Jesus is talking to here, this man who wanted to get on this nuance of who is my neighbor, man who just wanted to keep everything theoretical at a distance, who wanted to just have a nice, I'm going to talk deeply about spiritual things on Sunday, but I don't want it to have any relevance to how I live my life outside of church. Both the priest and the Levite passed the man by. But then a despised Samaritan came along. Now Samaritans were half-breeds. They were half-Jewish and half-Assyrian. And with that, the Jewish people really frowned on them. These two groups of people did not get along. And if you're telling a story and there's a Samaritan, you would expect that the Samaritan, that's the evil villain. That's the guy that's going to do it wrong. But Jesus speaks of a Samaritan, a despised Samaritan that comes along this road where this man is lying on the ground, beaten and robbed. And when he saw this man, he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. So not only did he take care of him and get into safety, then he paid for the man, paid two silver coins to the innkeeper, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. And then Jesus turned and said, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Church, I want to encourage you today. I know through the summer that a lot of us are going to be looking for opportunities just to get out of town. Maybe we're going to take our tent or our RV or go visit family that we have just to, to get a break from everything that's been going on. But I want to encourage you that you don't take a break from your spiritual growth journey. And I want to challenge you and me to be those that invest, to be those that act like the Samaritan did here. When we talk about your story, there are three stories that we have to be really aware of and that really are where we find the power in in life. The first story is God's story. And if you're unfamiliar with God's story, the Bible tells us how God created everything that was. and He created it good and he created it for me and you. His desire was that he would have relationship with mankind. And then there's our story. Our story as individuals who come to live in this world that's filled with sin, who make mistakes, who try hard, but eventually come to this point of realizing we need more than ourselves, And there's something that happens when our story meets God's story. In the book of Ephesians, it says this in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. There's life when our story begins to line up and conjoin with God's story. There's power and salvation that happens there. But God calls us to connect even beyond that, beyond those two stories, as, as this commandment at the beginning says, we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but we're also to love our neighbor as ourselves. Eagle Mott family, this summer, can I encourage you to seek out the stories of your neighbors and to connect with them. The reality is, is that we are living in a world where there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. There's a lot that's been happening and going on. And if you're like me, you've seen a lot of the conversations that have been happening on social media. A lot of them kind of play out like this young ruler. There's a lot of people who are talking over each other, but not a lot of people who listen to each other. Can we as the church be the church? Can we be those who will listen, who will care, and who will reach out with mercy to those around us who are fearful, who are lost, and who are hurting? Who will care for their wounds just as the Samaritan cared for the wounds of the man who was on the side of the road? You've been invited into God's story. And God invites you to connect with the story of those around you. And as we do, as we reach out with love and compassion... We have the opportunity to invite them to join with God's greater story for them as well. Can that be what defines our growth as we move forward this summer? To be mindful and prayerful, whether it's our neighbor who's next door who lives by us, or maybe our neighbor at our campsite who maybe we just met a couple days ago, but that we have the opportunity to be able to speak to, to build relationship with, to share compassion and love of Christ with, and invite them to learn God's story. Praying for you, church. Uh, Trust that you are doing well. Hope you have a great day. God bless.